Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Numbers 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, like clockwork. A lame duck Congress. The Republicans led by Mitch McConnell in the Senate, which has been the case for 15 years now. Whether it's Harry Reid or Schumer or Tom Daschle before Reid. It's always McConnell. Mitch McConnell is working with Schumer, corner to Fox, on a year-long government funding deal. They're going to try and get it done in the lame-dung Congress, the lame-duck, probably lame-dung is better, Congress. And it would be an omnibus bill that is a massive, massive spending bill. Now, as is also typical... And this is one of the things Senator Ron Johnson has objected to and why he voted against McConnell for being the Republican leader. Schumer and McConnell and their staffs and a few of their colleagues are negotiating this. The vast majority of Republican senators have no idea what's going on, and those who voted for McConnell apparently don't care about what's going on. And, of course, the Wall Street Journal editorial page will come out in strong support that we have to keep the government open. Of course, nobody cared when they shut down the private sector. No, no, no. The government is more essential than you are. Now, why am I bringing this up? Well, it should be obvious. But there's another reason. The House Republicans have yet to vote for their leaders. For their speaker. They've yet to do it because of five boneheads in the House of Representatives who are Republicans, who have no alternative candidate who can get anything close to a majority, 
Nothing close to majority. And who are playing right into the hands of Schumer and McConnell, right into the hands of Pelosi and the Democrats and Hakeem Jeffries, and right into the hands of the Republican moderates, who at some point are not going to sit on their hands, or they're going to demand that they pick the speaker. Who are these five boneheads? Who are going to allow McConnell and Schumer to work out the budget? Who are preventing us from subpoenaing, subpoenaing the FBI and the Department of Justice? Conducting investigations of the Biden crime family? We only have two years. Who are these Republicans? Who are they? Who claim to be such solid, stalwart conservatives? Who are they? How can they be so stupid? They have no conservative alternative. They have nothing. Who are they? Matt Gates. Oh, he's enjoyable to watch on TV. He's a very clever debater. Utterly useless. Andy Biggs. A phony conservative. Who is the Senate president in Arizona. Blocked the Convention of States vote in the Senate. Only until he ran for the Congress and won was the Senate in Arizona able to vote for it as well as the Assembly and did it pass. Bob Good in Virginia just got elected to his second term. His second term. Who is this moron? Ralph Norman in South Carolina. Never heard him. Don't know a damn thing about him. And Matt Rosendale, Montana, who I met, who was on this show when he was running the first time around, seemed like a solid conservative. Now he's part of the gang of five saboteurs. They know they have no plan B. They know they have no plan at all. The other conservatives in the Freedom Caucus and elsewhere, they have finally figured this out. But what's with these five knuckleheads? They're playing right into the hands of the Democrats, right into the hands of the establishment Republicans, right into the hands of the media. Meanwhile, there's McConnell off on the side working out a deal with Schumer. Everybody's in the dark. And the Republicans in the House have no voice. They have no say. And these five have no plan. So they're sabotaging conservatives. They're sabotaging those of us who want to get the spending under control. They're sabotaging those of us who want to secure the border. They're sabotaging those of us who want to fully fund the United States military. Because of their antics. Because they want you to think they're more conservative than all the rest of us. I have no stomach for the Republican establishment. I've talked about this now for decades. But what we're talking about now is the absolutely critical timing of what's taking place. 
that we need to get to the bottom of what the FBI is doing. We need to get to the bottom of the Department of Justice. We need to finally get to the bottom of the Biden crime family. We can't do a damn thing. These committees can't even organize. We can't even choose chairman. We can't do a damn thing. Jim Jordan can't be the chairman of this House Judiciary Committee until this gets resolved. What are they waiting for? What are Gates and Biggs and Good and Norman and Rosendale waiting for? They can call the show, any damn one of them, or all of them together. They should. And defend themselves. And defend themselves. But these are the five. A gang of five saboteurs are making it impossible, impossible to get on with these investigations, to get on with fighting the spending and getting the the debt under control, to making it impossible to deal with this cabinet secretary, Department of Homeland Security, making it utterly and completely impossible. We don't always get our way, ladies and gentlemen. I understand that. You understand that. But we have to be rational. You don't even have to be reasonable, but you have to be rational. Who is it that these five candidates believe can muster a majority of the Republican vote? I've asked this over and over again. They say Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is backing... Kevin McCarthy, he wants to be chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He has no interest in running for the leadership position. Who's next? Who's next? There is no next. They have nobody. Well, what are we supposed to do, America? The tens of millions of us who say, finally, even though we have a small majority, we have a majority. Let's get down to business. What are we supposed to do? Sit on our hands and wait for Gates and Biggs and Good and Norman and Rosendale? Who mean nothing to any of us? This lame duck session is dangerous. Now, quickly, because I'm not spending all day on this. Ever hear the Taylor Force Act? This was an act of Congress that was signed into law by President Donald Trump on March 23, 2018. to stop American economic aid to the Palestinian Authority until the Palestinian Authority ceases paying stipends to the Palestinian Authority Martyrs Fund to individuals who commit acts of terrorism and to families of deceased terrorists. At the time, it cut more than $200 million in direct aid to the Palestinian Authority because they wouldn't swear off terrorism. That's the law. Donald Trump signed it into law. Joe Biden has defied the law. And half a billion dollars has now gone to the Palestinian Authority. It was named in honor of Taylor Force, a native of Lubbock, Texas. Graduated from the New Mexico Military Institute. 
Then he went to West Point in 2009. He served two tours of duty in both Afghanistan and Iraq. And after completing his service, Taylor entered the Owen Graduate School of Management at Vanderbilt University to study for an MBA. He was murdered in Israel in 2016 by a Palestinian terrorist. He was visiting Israel as part of a Vanderbilt University study group examining global entrepreneurship. He was killed on March 8, 2016 in a terrorist attack by a Palestinian from the West Bank, as they call it. A stabbing attack in Tel Aviv that injured 11 people. Because the killer died while committing an act of terrorism, the killer's relatives are paid a monthly pension equal to several times the average monthly Palestinian wage, including from our tax dollars. The pension paid by the Palestinian Authority Martyrs Fund is part of Palestinian Authority policy. To pay a monthly cash stipends to the families of Palestinians killed, injured or imprisoned for involvement in attacking, assisting in attacking, planning to attack Israel or for other types of political inspired violence, including riots, violent demonstrations and throwing rocks. This law is being defied by the Biden administration and Joe Biden specifically. And Chris Christie hasn't said a thing. And Brian Kemp hasn't said a thing. Now, I went back and looked at the votes on this and the sponsorships on this act. 2018 in the Senate. There were 22 Republican co-sponsors and 10 Democrat co-sponsors. Mitch McConnell was not a co-sponsor. Now, why does that matter? Why does it matter that the Republican leader in the Senate was not a co-sponsor? You know, we normally don't co-sponsor. Tell me. The Republican leader spoke out today about Donald Trump. What has the Republican leader in the Senate ever done to confront anti-Semitism in our colleges and universities? Anti-Semitism in the halls of Congress, particularly on the Democrat side? anti-Semitism in our cities? What has Mitch McConnell done? He's been in the Senate for soon it'll be 40 years. 40 years. What has he done? What has he done? Has he gone to the floor of the Senate? Spent 20, 30 minutes talking about it? He's done nothing. But he made a proclamation today, cut 17, when he was asked by the press. Go. First, let me just say that there is no room in the Republican Party for anti-Semitism or white supremacy. And anyone meeting with people advocating that point of view, in my judgment, are highly unlikely to ever be elected president of the United States. But that's not true. Because Joe Biden was elected president of the United States, and you never said a damn thing about his racism and segregation, and you worked with him side by side. You never said a damn thing about Obama, Mr. Anti-Semite. Not a damn thing. You don't talk about the Congressional Black Caucus, several of whose members have worked with Farrakhan. Not a damn thing. You haven't condemned MSNBC 
for hiring Al Sharpton. Not a damn thing. When Israel comes under attack by Hamas or Hezbollah or other terrorists, you say nothing. You said nothing over the past several months when they have been attacked. Nothing. This is what I talked about yesterday. There are those who believe in their hearts and who love President Trump and are concerned or upset. And then there are those who exploit this politically. And I have absolutely no stomach for them, Democrat or Republican, because after another week or two, they will move on, cutting their deals, funding the Palestinian terrorists. And I want to remind you, it was Mitch McConnell working with Bob Corker that made it possible for the Iran deal that Obama could sign and that would help get the Iranians nukes. I'll be right back. Mark in. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. amazing is the most coherent, knowledgeable, substantive uh, effort to expose Joe Biden's racism and segregation came from his now vice president, Kamala Harris. Mitch McConnell wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Mitch McConnell doesn't give a crap what happens to the state of Israel. Mitch McConnell doesn't give a crap about anti-Semitism. It's been demonstrated in his 40-year career. All of a sudden, he's concerned. That's, that's my point. Brian Kemp, governor of Georgia, and says squat. All of a sudden, he's concerned. Chris Christie, who was governor of New Jersey, where anti-Semitism is spreading like a bad thigh rash... Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. 
and the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, Liberty's General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. What do Keith Ellison, Maxine Waters, James Clyburn, Al Sharpton, Barack Obama, and Kanye West have in common, Mr. Producer? Their association with Louis Farrakhan to different degrees and in different ways. The mere meeting with him, the mere attending an event with him. Ellison, Waters, Clyburn, Sharpton, Kanye West have all defended, have all defended Farrakhan. They didn't say they didn't know who he was. They have defended him and they have defended his statements. The case of Clyburn. Ellison actually worked with the organization, Nation of Islam. He became the deputy DNC chairman. I objected. Dershowitz objected. Didn't hear many others. I didn't hear Brian Kemp. I didn't see any of these men go to the state of Minnesota and campaign against Keith Ellison. Did you, Mr. Producer? We fought Keith Ellison. We brought his opponent on. I believe his name was Schultz. Remember that, Mr. Producer? And he lost. He lost by more than we hoped, but it was still relatively close. What did Chris Christie do to try and defeat Keith Ellison, nothing. Brian Kemp, nothing. How about the editorial pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post? Nothing. CNN, MSNBC, nothing. How about Maggot Haberman? Did they ask her any questions about it on CNN? Never. Why? Why didn't they? It's an amazing thing. We have people who actually worked with Farrakhan, varying degrees, varying degrees defended him or complimented him or befriended him. They were never asked any questions. Ellison was as a result of my attacking him, but others, no. 
Nancy Pelosi was barely touched when she came up with a scheme to write a resolution that wouldn't condemn Omar specifically for her repeated anti-Semitic comments. And now she's an icon, the greatest speaker in the history of speakers. Really. Just fantastic how she worked with the progressive wing, which is made up of mostly Jew haters. Mostly Jew haters. Israel haters. Right? Now, for a lot of you, this is getting old. I understand. The vast majority of the people in this audience are not Jewish. But this is very important. In some ways, it's just it's, it's about the, the rot within a society. That we have people who have tolerated bigotry, racism, and anti-Semitism. Even promoted it and celebrated it. You have networks like MSNBC and CNN. That repeatedly bring on Jew haters and bigots and racists. You have newspapers like the New York Times that even hire bigots, racists, and Jew haters. Oh, it's a mistake. We didn't look at their social media. Wow. And have gone so far as to self-censor on the Holocaust. There needs to be some perspective here, but there's not going to be, because the name Trump comes up. I'm not defending anything. All these months when I've been condemning anti-Semitism, what's been going on in Brooklyn, what took place at the synagogues, in the riots, the Marxist riots of 2020, the failure to prosecute hate crimes, in Democrat cities. Black Lives Matter, we expose them as a Marxist organization, an anti-American, anti-Jewish and Israel organization. But Black Lives Matter was supported by the media, supported by the Democrat Party, supported by Mitt Romney. Supported by Mitt Romney. What did Mitt Romney say today, Mr. Producer? Cut 18, go. It's disgusting to invite uh, people like that to meet with a former president of the United States. Um, I think there's, uh, it's been clear that there's no bottom to the degree to which President Trump will uh, degrade uh, himself and, and the nation. That's what I mean. The exploitation for political reasons. Degrade himself and the nation. Mitt Romney publicly celebrated Black Lives Matter. Marched with them. Even though he knew it was an anti-Semitic organization. Even though he knew it was an anti-American Marxist organization. He embraced Black Lives Matter. Mitt Romney. But people are interested in what he has to say about Trump. Because he hates Trump. That doesn't serve any purpose. You see, the people attacking don't give a damn about anti-Semitism. They don't give a damn about it. Their careers demonstrate it. It's swirling all around them, and they've been silent about it. 
It's going on in our college campuses and our universities. It's going on in news platforms throughout the country. It's taking place in our public schools as I speak. And what did Mitt Romney say about it? Nothing. He was marching with Black Lives Matter. Trump wasn't marching with Black Lives Matter. But he was. Trump side the Taylor Force Act. Mitch McConnell wouldn't be a co-sponsor. Trump killed the Iran deal. Mitch McConnell made it possible. The New York Times reporters work for a newspaper, get paid by a newspaper, voluntarily are employed at that magazine, uh, excuse me, at that corporation, knowing full well its history. What kind of a media outlet self-censors on Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich? But they're very upset with Trump. And every time Israel takes incoming from Hamas or Hezbollah or anybody, it takes about 24, 36 hours because Israel fights back until the New York Times trashes the Jewish state. What about Obama and Reverend Wright? Media tried to cover it up. How do you sit in a church for 20 damn years when a guy who is spouting Louis Farrakhan type comments about America, about white people, about Jews, how do you sit in the pews for 20 damn years Unless you want to sit in the pews for 20 damn years. We're not talking about a lunch. We're talking about every Sunday sitting in the pews listening to a bigot. How do you do that? But it's Barack Obama. Nobody's perfect. Some people are more imperfect than others. I've already said that in my opinion the former president must distance himself from the Kanye West. I understand his reaction to loyalty to people who've been loyal to him and so forth and so on. It's a very positive characteristic except in this case. And he said he didn't know who Fuentes was. Kanye West is still accepted by rappers all over the country. You don't hear about that. Kanye West is still accepted by the, most of the basketball players and football players in this country. You don't hear about that. Kanye West was extremely popular in Hollywood. Embraced by Hollywood. Don't hear about that. Why? Do you remember Mr. Beducer for a couple of years? Conservatives and Republicans were taken by Kanye West. Remember that? Folks, you can go dig it up on the internet. Media outlets and so forth and so on. Kissing his ass. Except for one person, me. Remember that? I said, who is this guy? Why is everybody kissing his ass? 
I've said the same thing about Bill Maher. I've said much the same thing about Joe Rogan. We don't really know these people. They don't really expose who they are. But in the case of Kanye West, I never understood the interest in him. Never did. Fuentes, honestly, I didn't know who he was. So when President Trump says, I didn't know who he was to the whole world, I believe him. I didn't know who he was, and I do this every day. Sorry, I don't keep track of all these little bastards. Apparently they keep track of me, but I don't keep track of them. But for Mitch McConnell to get up there and tell you who will and will not be the nominee makes me sick. Because he's been in the Senate about 40 years. And he hasn't done a damn thing about anti-Semitism. Hasn't even talked about it at length. Hasn't even had committees look into it. Nothing. He didn't condemn Obama with the Muslim Brotherhood and care. Nothing. Neither did the clowns who surround him every time he walks up. Then our friends at National Review. National Review, my favorite magazine growing up. Bill Buckley, one of the greats. There's no question. But they have a whole conga line over there, starting with Annie McCarthy and others, who, from my perspective, is relatively new to the conservative movement. He's been there for years, but not in the early days. He's a former federal prosecutor, but not just him. There's nothing wrong with condemning or raising questions about what took place. Absolutely. But that's not what they're doing, and they know what they're doing. And just like the New York Times, in its reprehensible coverage of the Holocaust, the National Review has reprehensible essays and writers at the time who were quite young when it came to segregation in the South, including Bill Buckley. Bill Buckley would renounce it. Bill Buckley... Evolved over time, no question about it, as did many people. But you would think a magazine that's built on that foundation would say their piece and then move on, but it doesn't. And they have no intention of doing it. There were a number of essays written at National Review, they put them together. I was contacted by them, and I was asked to join them. Because early on, I supported Cruz over Trump, over everybody. I'd known Ted for decades. Ted is a good man. He remains a good man. I was critical of Trump because I didn't think he was sufficiently conservative. A lot of you were. A lot of us were. But I said, no, I'm not going to participate in a smear and in a campaign with a group of others. I don't work that way. But McCarthy did and others did. And the truth is they've never changed their mindset. 
That's why I suggested you read this piece by Victor Davis Hanson, who no longer writes at National Review, over at American Greatness that he put out a few days ago. It's a very important piece, very smart piece. It's not all gushy. It's not all positive. It's just a very intelligent piece. Now, I want to move on, and I'm going to move on. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The attack on Elon Musk continues. And to have the presidential spokes idiot threaten Twitter and Elon Musk. Because Twitter used to be the uh, the lapdog of the Biden administration and the Democrat Party is disgusting. And they're going to keep an eye on it, says the spokes idiot for the idiot. In a free country, they're going to keep an eye on Twitter. Meanwhile, they're not going to keep an eye on Apple. Apple, as I speak, America, Apple, led by liberals from Silicon Valley worth hundreds of millions of dollars, Apple silently and quietly did communist China's dirty work the other day and made it very difficult, if not impossible, for one Chinese citizen to communicate with another to censor them at the direction of the Communist Party of China have you heard much about that a multi-trillion dollar company has thrown on the side of the Communist Party of China against the people of China. In many ways, setting foreign policy for the United States of America. More on this when I return. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. 
now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want you to listen to what Ron DeSantis had to say today at a press conference about Apple possibly getting rid of Twitter on the App Store. What is it that Elon Musk has done that is so horrific? What he's done, ladies and gentlemen, is similar to what Ron DeSantis has done in Florida. And whether people want to hear it or not, it's similar to what Donald Trump did as president. As the culture continues to decline, and as the ideological monopolistic tactics of the Marxist left take hold and are enshrined, any pushback is to be met with all-out destruction. And so the goal now is to destroy Elon Musk, to destroy his businesses, to mob his advertisers, and to use the instrumentalities of government to investigate him, to investigate his company, and to threaten him. The same thing's been done to Donald Trump. The same thing will be done to Ron DeSantis. That's the way the Marxist left works. That's why, if you agree with me, you despise people. Like Romney. Like McConnell and others. We're more than happy. To play at the 40-yard line and to embrace significant aspects of this agenda while pretending they don't. They're very pernicious individuals. And so Apple is threatening to destroy Twitter as it simultaneously gives aid and comfort to the communist Chinese government, which is trying to crush and, if necessary, kill, murder protesters much like the Iranian Islamo-Nazi regime. And so what Apple has done, because it's been bought and paid for by the communist Chinese, is suspended airdrop, correct, Mr. Producer? So important pieces of information like video and so forth can't be shared with and among citizens, correct? They were told to do it, and they did it. This would be the same Apple that is relentless in its attack against Republicans. It's just incredible. You've heard nothing from the National Basketball Association. You've heard nothing from LeBron James. You've heard nothing from the National Football League. 
You've heard nothing from the players union, the players association of uh, any of the leagues. Nothing. And you've heard next to nothing from Joe Biden. And nothing from the Secretary of Defense, nothing from the Secretary of State, nothing from the National Security Advisor. Nothing. China has been murdering and torturing the Uyghurs. You've heard nothing from the Muslim Brotherhood. Really nothing from CARE. Certainly nothing sustained. Nothing. Zero. It would appear, ladies and gentlemen, that the communist Chinese and the culture that they've created or attempted to create has devoured our culture rather than the other way around. The intention of opening our markets and our systems to the communist Chinese was so that we would influence them. That's what the Bushes wanted to do. That's what they wanted to do. That's what they believed, and they failed spectacularly. Rather than devour their culture, they've been devouring ours. Some people recognize this. DeSantis, Tom Cotton, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Donald Trump, first and foremost. Not Mitch McConnell, because of his family's tie to that regime that Peter Schweitzer has written about often. And certain people get very angry when I talk about this on certain platforms. Nobody's going to silence me. Nobody. Ron DeSantis at a press conference today. Cut four. Go. And then as you've seen that go on in China, you know, there's reports that Apple is not allowing the protesters to use this airdrop function where they're trying to communicate. That obviously is providing aid and comfort to the CCP. And so you see that report, and that's very concerning. And then when you also hear reports that Apple is threatening to remove Twitter from the App Store because Elon Musk is actually opening it up for free speech and is restoring a lot of accounts that were uh, unfairly and illegitimately suspended for putting out accurate information about COVID. That's like one of the main things that's being reinstated. So many things these experts were wrong at, and you had people on Twitter that were calling that out. And Twitter, the old regime in Twitter, their response was to try to just suffocate the dissent. And, and, and Elon Musk knows that's not a winning formula, and so he's uh, providing free speech. And so if Apple responds to that, uh, by nuking them from, from the App Store, 
you know, I think that that would be a huge, huge mistake, and it would be a really raw exercise of monopolistic power that I think would merit a response uh, from, from the United States Congress. And so uh, don't be a vassal of the CCP on one hand and then use your corporate power in the United States on the other to suffocate Americans and try to suppress their right to express themselves. And so I'm glad, I'm glad things are changing at Twitter. Hmm. Pretty damn important statement, don't you think, America? From America's governor. And that's what distinguishes him. On so many fronts, on so many substantive issues from the rest. That's what distinguishes him from the Hogans and the Christies. And the Asa Hutchison's and so forth. They're desperate to comment on Trump. That's the in thing. That's the Vogue thing. But there's DeSantis. He doesn't want to get involved in that crap. He's saying, wait a minute. We have this company. It's the biggest company in America, that or Amazon, but they go back and forth. And it's trying to use its monopolistic power to shut down free speech in two countries. In the United States, by threatening to choke off Twitter from its app store. Because they know you have your little iPhones and they control you and blocking airdrop communications at the direction of the communist Chinese government so that the citizens of China can't communicate with each other about their lives their families, their freedom cut five Governor DeSantis, go Uh, I just want to make a comment about what we've been seeing going on in China Uh, this zero COVID policy uh, is draconian Uh, It violates people's liberties, and it is completely unscientific. And the people of China are right to be able to speak out and protest against what the Chinese Communist Party is doing. This CCP has a maniacal desire to exert total control over its population. Zero COVID is really just the pretext for them to do what they want to do anyways. And that is not a model uh, that can work over the long term. The people in China are finally speaking out uh, against it. And and I just think we need these draconian uh, COVID policies to go to the ash heap of history where they belong. Absolutely, crucially stated and compelling. He just said more in two minutes as the governor of Florida than Joe Biden has said at all about the situation in China. In fact, Joe Biden and his party, they have a completely different position. Joe Biden and their corporatists at Apple and elsewhere have a completely different position. As expressed, albeit inarticulately, by Mark Warner of Virginia, Senator, on CNN today. Cut six, go. Do you, though, believe there is something, uh, particularly as China is now cracking down on those protesters, 
something more that the U.S. could or should do to support the Chinese people when they express themselves this way? Well, I think there are things that those of us leaders in the Senate and the House have a little more flexibility, frankly, than the administration. Mm -hmm. You know, this uh, the administration, particularly after the most recent meeting between Xi and Biden, um, to try to have lower some of the tensions. This is a we don't want a um, an active conflict to erupt. Um, I think those of us in the Congress have a little more freedom and I think we can push the administration. But as you said, we don't want to feed the propaganda machinery that turns these protests driven by Chinese people into <clears throat> what the overall message would be to the Chinese people. You know, thank God the French didn't think that during the Revolutionary War when they helped us defeat the British, the Battle of Yorktown. Or through all, every major war we've been in. This is how Democrats think. This is how isolationists think. This is how some people in the media think. It's never what's the right thing to do? What's the moral thing to do? What's the strategic thing to do? It's America will trip the tripwire. America. And so while the Chinese are rounding up Uyghurs, while the Chinese are killing people and selling their organs, while the Chinese are forcing abortions, raping people, while the Chinese have devoured Hong Kong and seek to devour Taiwan, while the Chinese are in our hemisphere, while the Chinese have ports now off of Africa, while the Chinese are, are believe it or not, in the Solomon Islands, where some of your fathers and grandfathers and others in your family fought during World War II, like mine? Well, the Chinese have militarized these phony islands that South China Sea and threaten Japan and threaten Australia and threaten the Philippines and even threaten Vietnam. Well, the Chinese are building for war. We don't want to upset them ladies and gentlemen. That's the position of Joe Biden, Mark Warner, and the Democrat Party. And yet you just heard a great American leader, Ron DeSantis, say what he said. And this is why the apples of the world and the professional sports and the media outlets and so much the American corporate world and investment dollars poured into China, this is why they will go to war with DeSantis. As they went to war with Trump. They already compare the two. And it's funny. I saw one comparison of the two and they said DeSantis is Trump without the personality. So as bad as Trump is to this particular outlet, I think it was the New York Times, DeSantis is even worse. That's why in this audience, there's so few suckers. We understand what's going on. By the way, in the next hour, we're going to have our buddy Mike Lee on the program because you really do have to wonder why we even care who controls the United States Senate. The House is a different issue. They voted for what they call 
the Respect of Marriage Act, I believe it's called, which is another phony name, and the grave concern by those who voted against it was that there's a reason why the Democrats and Susan Collins and others pushed for this. It has nothing to do with actual marriage, gay or otherwise, and everything to do with preventing free speech for people who only support men marrying women and women marrying men, people who refuse on religious grounds to bake cakes for certain kinds of weddings and so forth, that this will be used by activist judges at the state and federal level, and we've seen it a thousand times, to silence all religious viewpoints. And Mark Warner and Romney and Portman and a lot of other Republican frauds have promised that, no, 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 we passed an amendment to change that. Their amendment has no teeth. And the Republicans who voted to get rid of the filibuster, to break the filibuster rule, so in effect voted for this. Roy Blunt, who's retiring. Richard Burr, who's retiring. This Capito in West Virginia, who's a disaster. Collins in Maine, a disaster. Loomis in Wyoming, really problematic. Portman in Ohio, who's retiring. Romney, who's a moron. Sullivan in Alaska. Tillis in North Carolina. Ernst in Iowa. Young just reelected in Indiana. And of course, Murkowski of Alaska. Be right back. Mark Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have Mike Lee on the program in less than an hour to discuss this act. They always name these things in ways. How could you vote against this? But we do. We have uh, 12 Republicans who voted to break the filibuster. Most of the usual suspects, except for one or two, really one, Loomis, great disappointment, unfortunately. And what have they done? What have they done to marriage? Have you participated in this? You're not even aware of this, are you? There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you could get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data 
just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Mr. Producer, do you have an American Express card? Things work out for you when you use it pretty well? Sometimes. I've had an American Express card since 1982, when I was 25 years old. So I've had this card almost 42 years. And I have never missed a payment. Not in 42 years. And it is the card I use the most. By far. By far. And then I just pay it off every month. Obviously, I use checks and other cards from time to time, but it's just easier where I can. And the reason I I use the American Express card is it's interest-free if you pay it off. Now, other cards are too. I understand, but this is the one I started with. Seemed like the right thing at the time. I don't play games. Never have. Same with my taxes. We pay our taxes not only on time, but we overpay our taxes. Now, all of a sudden, I get a contact from American Express a few months back. We want to talk to you about your cap. I said, my cap? I have a cap? Now, I didn't know anything about caps or no caps, but I never had a cap on my American Express card. It's not like I spend millions of dollars every month on my American Express card. But it does run up because I use it as much as I can in lieu of cash or even other cards. So I said to the guy, okay, what do you want to discuss? Well, we want to limit your cap. I said, you want to limit my cap? I didn't even know I had a cap, but now you want to limit the cap. And the amount was some ridiculous amount. It was way too low for me anyway. I said, well, that's too low. So then I hear somebody speak. It sounds like a supervisor in the back, a female. Okay, we'll double that to a different cap. I said, why are you even doing this? I never missed a payment. I've never missed anything. I've had you guys for 42 years. 
Well, if you want to send us your last three tax returns, you hear this, Mr. Producer? To a credit card company? If you want to send us your last three tax returns, perhaps we can raise it more. So I'm not sending you my tax returns. There's no reason for this. Well, then that's the cap. So now I'm pissed off. I don't have to use American Express. So uh, if I get the time, and I'll get the time over the vacation time, which is in just a few weeks, I may get rid of my American Express card. I may encourage my family members to get rid of their American Express cards, and I'll get a different card. Even if they want some income information on the cap issue, a cap, I'll give it to them. I don't trust any of these companies anymore because they turn stuff over to the feds and so forth. I'm just being honest with you. I don't trust them in the least. But I don't have a 42-year record with them, whoever they may be, like I do with American Express. For paying my bills every single month, even when I didn't have a lot of money, for 42 years, without miss once. And all of a sudden, they want three years of tax returns because they put a cap in place. Doesn't that sound strange, Mr. Producer? Doesn't it sound like something weird is going on? I don't think they're coming after me, but I do think this is a little strange. That maybe they are trying to hassle me. I don't want callers on this. I'm just curious, in your own minds, is this happening to other people? I mean, again... Assuming you're paying your bills on time every month, I don't think it should be happening. If you have problems, that's a different issue. I understand they have to negotiate and talk. But this is crazy. I'm thinking, why all of a sudden? It's like I turned 65, so all of a sudden. These inquiries, it's just very strange. Now, American Express and these other companies, but especially American Express, they make a lot of money because they have their algorithms. They figure out about what you're going to spend a month using their card, and they're able to use that money to generate capital for themselves. For themselves. So they have essentially a different business model than, say, a Visa or something that where... Uh, where their, their model is, you know, interest after the first month and forevermore. And I suppose that's why I originally was attracted to American Express, but I'm not attracted to them anymore, I can tell you that. <clears throat> I find this to be really reprehensible. It's a pain in the ass, to be honest with you. Now i got to go back and and find another company. But it's very weird. Why did I bring it up? Because I bring a lot of things up that have absolutely nothing to do with the news. That you may be experiencing as well. 
just uh, just a thought. It's very strange, I thought. Well, it really doesn't matter to me what credit card company I use as long as it's convenient, right? What do I care? As long as they don't charge interest because I pay every month. So that's important to me. Here's your typical reporting. And this is from the LA Times. I had it from a few days ago. A new foreign policy headache for Biden as Israel forms its most right-wing government ever. This is the LA Times. So it's a new headache for Biden, you see, that the people in Israel voted. And they voted for Likud and these other parties to form a government. I think they call that democracy in the parliamentary system. But it's a shame. It's a headache for Biden because now he's going to have to deal with these intrinsic uh, Jews in Israel and intransigent. Excuse me. How dare they? All these right-wingers and these religious parties and so forth. And they're very mad at him because they say he offended Obama, the Obama administration, when he spoke to Congress. You don't do that, you see. You just don't do that. But this is how the media and the Democrats treat our allies, our best allies. Little Israel. Now, you'd never see a piece like that written about Saudi Arabia and the monarchy. Now, these stories don't just happen. These stories are leaked from the administration. The administration leaked to the LA Times, Tracy Wilkinson and others, that the Israelis should not have cast their ballots for the Netanyahu coalition. That the Biden administration preferred the the weak Lapid-Bennett coalition, which include Arab parties that don't even believe in the survival of Israel, don't even believe in the state of Israel. They prefer that because they know that a government like that will buckle to their demands. In Washington, they know that that government will not attack the Iranians while they're building nuclear weapons. And when you're Joe Biden and you're you're a, uh, you're a mental midget and a foreign policy moron as well as a domestic policy moron. You don't want to deal with the likes of a Benjamin Netanyahu and his government because they're not going to agree with you. And of course, when you're the Democrat Party who just love the Jews in Israel, just ask them. Ask Talib and ask their media outlets, the New York slimes and apparently the L.A. slimes. This is a bad thing. That you actually have one of the greatest statesmen as the head of Israel when you have one of the biggest idiots as the head of the United States executive branch. It's a problem. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data 
Just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and in our promo code Levin Podcast. The new British Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, made a declaration today. And here's what he said about the relationship between Britain and communist China. Cut, 10, go. Now let's be clear, the so-called golden era is over, along with the naive idea that trade would automatically lead to social and political reform. But nor should we rely on simplistic Cold War rhetoric. We recognize China poses a systemic challenge to our values and interests, a challenge that grows more acute as it moves towards even greater authoritarianism. Instead of listening to their people's protests, the Chinese government has chosen to crack down further, including by assaulting a BBC journalist. The media and our parliamentarians must be able to highlight these issues without sanction, including calling out abuses in Xinjiang and the curtailment of freedom in Hong Kong. So you have Governor DeSantis, who's made a strong statement about communist China and its allies in America, including the Apple Corporation. You have the brand new, newly minted Prime Minister of Britain condemning communist China. The so-called golden era is over. And you have the President of the United States hiding under his desk. Hiding under his desk. And that's what's taking place tonight as I speak. As the people of China are brutalized, as the people of Iran are brutalized. Mark, what does this have to do with us? I'm so sick of this stupidity of those who would drag us into a real war and pretend it is we who would drag us into a real war. These are liberty movements that have had nothing to do with us but have had to do with what the Declaration of Independence talks about. What Edmund Burke wrote about. What our great founders of this country fought for. We can at least give them verbal support, can't we? So they know that we know what's going on. But the response of Mark Warner and his party is we don't want to be used as propaganda for the enemy. 
while the people of China are on the precipice, perhaps, of something big. One hopes. While the people of Iran are on the precipice, perhaps, of something big, one hopes. This is the difference between a Reagan and a Trump versus a Biden and an Obama and a Mark Warner. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read this secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read The War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. What is this marriage act, ladies and gentlemen, that the Senate just passed and the House is going to pass during the lame duck? Before we can have the Republicans organized in the House, thanks to these five boneheads, Gates, Biggs, Good, Norman, and Rosendale. What is this? Mike Lee will tell us when he's on the program in about 15 minutes. An amendment that he proposed that would have protected religious liberty was defeated. Now that should be enormously concerning to you. But before we get to that, Epic Times is one of the really excellent websites, news sites. And Benjamin Weingarten is one of the good thinkers out there. Very sharp. He points out the appointment of special counsel, this guy Jack Smith, and the more we learn, the more sleazy he is, amounts to election interference and sets dangerous precedent. Now, we've talked about that, too. But so does Benjamin Weingarten. While Republicans kicked off the 2024 presidential race with the announcement that Donald Trump was running for president in perhaps the ultimate sign of our ignominious times, Democrats, in effect, kicked off their half of the contest three days later by appointing a special counsel to escalate their political prosecution of him. This is where our democracy, quote-unquote, stands today, with its purported defenders engaging in the singularly anti-democratic act of sicking a hyper-politicized law enforcement apparatus on a candidate for the highest elected office, on dubious grounds, thereby subverting the political process by which we decide who represents us. Well said. At a minimum, no doubt to an approving President Joe Biden, his law enforcement arm is now engaged in what amounts to election interference against arguably the president's top challenger, ironically probing in part then-President Trump's alleged interference with the transfer of power in 2020 when Trump could make the case that the deep state did the same to him with the inception of Russiagate in 2016 and onward. 
Worse, with Attorney General Merrick Garland's appointment of Jack Smith as special counsel, the prospect of a former president being charged and convicted of something, anything, is more real than at any time during the perpetual campaign to purge Trump from the body politic. This guy should be writing the editorials at the Wall Street Journal and National Review. <clears throat> Our ruling class really does wish to lock him up, or at least hold that threat over the former president's head for the maximum political gain. There are many layers to the surreal lawfare assault on Trump worth peeling back, all of which point to the fact that our core institutions are willing to burn themselves down in service of their own power and privilege. For starters, we have the inherent third world nature of the current president by way of his attorney general pursuing criminal charges against his predecessor and present challenger. <clears throat> this is an extension of the third world, Soviet show trial style, January 6th committee preceding it. The law enforcement apparatus carrying out the investigations has time and again acted third world-like as the ruling class's sword and shield. Such third worldism in our politics weaponizing the national security and law enforcement apparatus against ruling class opponents has now been normalized and institutionalized. No Justice Department has ever pursued such probes on such grounds concerning such debatable charges under such circumstances as this one. The 2024 election, election, excuse me, presidential election may hinge in large part on what case or cases the Justice Department can make over a document dispute, as even federal law enforcement has acknowledged is at issue with the Mar-a-Lago materials and the manner in which a president contested an election. Setting aside for a minute the contempt with which DOJ and FBI has treated Trump time and again, look at on the merits. The agencies have punted far more clear-cut cases concerning the handling of documents by officials with far less authority than the commander-in-chief. He's talking about Hillary Clinton, among others, of course. To my knowledge, there is little, if any, guidance on what constitutes, quote, unlawful interference, unquote with the transfer of power, election certification, meaning, at very best, the Justice Department is dealing in hypotheticals and unique matters of interpretation. In other words, <clears throat> the grounds for legal pursuit of Trump by his successor administration are shaky. And the cases to be made are novel, to put it mildly. If federal prosecutors, starting with the Attorney General, acted with even a modicum of discretion, they would have immediately dismissed even the thought of pursuing anything but an open and shut case, overwhelmingly supported by law and precedent when it comes to prosecuting a former president and current candidate. Instead, by characteristically holding Trump to a different standard than any president to come before him, our preeminent law enforcement agencies are undermining the rule of law. And it's too bad, by the way, that Bill Barr doesn't comprehend this or all the other former federal types, and analysts. <clears throat> Another aspect of the story is Garland's artful attempt to insulate himself from an inherently hyper-political prosecution. That his Department of Justice initiated in the first place. And that he ultimately calls the final shots on anyway. In other words... He's got this special counsel who will do all the dirty work, even though behind the scenes he calls the final shots. <coughs> Excuse me, folks. I'm struggling a little bit here. 
And all while Biden's son, not to mention other family members who monetize Patriarch Joe's office through dealings with our worst adversaries, face no special counsel. Talk about a double standard. Then there's special counsel Smith's checkered record and spearheading past baseless pursuits of Republicans during his time as head of the Obama Justice Department Public Integrity Section. His office's reckless prosecution of former Virginia Governor Bob McDonald on bribery charges led to an embarrassing rebuke at the Supreme Court, which overturned the Republicans' conviction by a 9-0 to vote. And the special counsel has been implicated in the IRS's targeting conservative nonprofits during the Obama years. And we've learned more since. His wife is a liberal hack, and his mother-in-law is a liberal hack. And then, of course, there's the myriad ways the prosecution can and will be exploited. The hobble candidate Trump cast a cloud over the GOP primary process. Stymie congressional Republicans likely to probe aspects of January 6th, perhaps the DOJ and FBI themselves, and sideline those members in contesting the 2020 presidential election, all while distracting from the Biden administration's misdeeds. And there's the precedent that all of this sets, the legal persecution of Trump and insurance policy of sorts, should the political persecution of him and his supporters fail, is beyond chilling. Those who loathe Trump, his policies, his people, have proven they are willing to eviscerate the American system in the name of defending it from traitors, authoritarians, and insurrectionists. Their projection is reaching its apex. Should it persist, we will be an unrecognizable country. It's a great piece by a great writer and thinker, Benjamin Weingarten. I've cited him before. As I said, he should be writing editorials at the Wall Street Journal and National Review, but of course not. And that's all true. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to welcome Senator Mike Lee. Senator Lee, um, I need you to walk America through this step by step. Why in the hell was there a marriage bill during this lame duck session in the Senate that Republicans supported, uh, many of them, negotiated, um, and that most of the American people have no idea what's taking place here? What happened here? Well, in a nutshell, the bill was designed to, in effect, codify the Obergefell ruling. Some people were getting nervous uh, based on Justice That same-sex marriage. Yes, about same-sex marriage. The Obergefell decision was issued in 2015 by the Supreme Court that declared there to be a a constitutional right uh, to same-sex marriage. Justice Thomas uh, mentioned in... uh, his concurring opinion in the Dobbs case, he mentioned the Obergefell case and suggested that it ought to be reviewed, perhaps to, you know, figure out whether substantive due process was appropriate for that. Um, uh, but didn't didn't even say it should be overruled. He, he was the only justice saying that. But a bunch of people said, well, we've got to codify it. And so they proceeded with it. Look, in saying that, they're ignoring the fact that Obergefell is not going away. 
the story decisis the doctrine the Supreme Court uses to decide whether to keep uh, relying on precedent uh, doesn't play the same way with same-sex marriage as it did with abortion. Nobody thinks it's going away, but the Democrats decided they needed to codify it anyway. So once they started doing that, I said, hey, you know, we've got to be careful here, because if you're not careful, we're going to end up accidentally declaring all religious institutions bigots and in violation of a number of federal civil rights laws. So that would include that, that would include Orthodox Jews. That would include uh, faithful Catholics. That would include the Mormon Church. That would include uh, people of the Muslim faith. That would include tens of millions of people. Yes, and the ones we're most worried about aren't as much the you know mosques, synagogues, and churches as uh, we have reason to worry about nonprofits that are religiously affiliated. Uh, for example, religious schools, uh, colleges, and universities that have a religious mission. If they don't and, recognize... And, and we already saw that with yeshiva schools in New York, correct? Yes. Seen that with yeshiva schools. So pretty much any, any um, uh, religiously observant Orthodox Jewish school or Muslim school and many Christian schools uh, are going to have an issue because the religious orders backing them don't believe in same-sex marriage. And it's on the basis of a religious belief that they don't believe in same-sex marriage, not on the basis of any kind of bigotry, just religious belief. So I pointed out that we could have a real problem. There's a line of cases going back to 1983 involving Bob Jones University that suggests that entities like this can have their tax-exempt status removed, even if it's on the basis of a religious belief. So I thought we need to take away the authority from the federal government, including the IRS, to punish religious institutions that for religious reasons don't recognize same-sex marriage. And I drafted an amendment uh, prohibiting that saying that, you know, this bill can't be allowed to pass unless it has this religious protection built into it. Tragically, um, today, uh, the United States Senate passed legislation that codified Obergefell, but did not adopt my amendment or any comparable amendment uh, providing that protection to religious nonprofits and other religious institutions and individuals. It's a sad day, really, because as you point out, we're in a lame duck session of Congress. A Republican House has just been elected and is about to kick in in a few weeks. Uh, they waited just a little bit longer. Had, shoot, had, had there not been 12 Republicans, had there been fewer than 10 Republicans willing to vote with the Democrats on this issue, uh, fewer than 10, well, this couldn't have been done until at least the next Congress, and the next Congress, if it got done, it would be done much more respectfully of religious freedom. Moreover, I think even in this Congress, they might well have uh, been able to adopt this thing had these 12 Republicans not made it so darn easy for the Democrats to pass it without the religious protection. They had other language in there that provided some religious protection, but not for the problem I'm describing. It was far inadequate for that. They passed it anyway, and I think that's really sad. Now, Mark Warner went on TV and smeared you and said that you're just doing this to obstruct this and that there's protections built into this law, and you certainly didn't have an opportunity to respond to that. Would you like to? 
Yeah, so I, it was unfortunate. Um, you know, he's apologized since then, and I, I, I appreciate his apology. It is important that we speak with clarity when speaking with others. He went on there, and uh, in response to a question from Shannon Bream on Fox News Sunday, who asked him, you know, what about Mike Lee's amendment? Don't you think that's necessary? And he went on to say, well, Mike Lee, first of all, you know, Mike Lee's a Mormon, and the Mormon church um, um, supports this bill without the amendment, making it sound like my church spoke for me and making it sound like my church was against my amendment, which wasn't true. Yeah, but by and, the way, and Romney sounded the same way, just for the record, but go right ahead. Right, which is, which is, uh, which is also unfortunate, but any time somebody mischaracterizes somebody else's church or their own church that's that's unfortunate and then he compounded the error by saying look um here's the deal mike lee had a chance to pass this amendment at a simple majority threshold in the senate which wasn't true we finally voted on it today this was you know 10 days ago or so he was claiming that i had already had a chance to get it passed at a 51 vote threshold which wasn't true and uh, made it sound like that, coupled uh, with my church's position on it, meant that the only reason I could be doing this was to engage, engage in bad faith delay tactics. It's just a cheap, sleazy move to characterize somebody else's church, somebody else's religion as speaking for them, and then saying that you couldn't possibly have a good faith uh, legislative ob- objective in trying to create this religious protection. Like I say, Mark Mark Warner apologized to me today for that. And uh, well, what I'd is this? What, what is today. this? What is this that they're hiding behind? Where they say that your amendment is superfluous? That they're already protecting religious liberty? Yeah, it's fake. Look, they they <clears> added <throat> some protections that are legitimate. They added some protections that I appreciate. Like they, they made clear that if you're an imam or a uh, or a rabbi, or a, a priest, or a pastor that doesn't believe in same-sex marriage, you're not going to be forced to do that. I, I accept that. That's great. But, you know, religious freedom, Mark, is about... Uh, by so the way, may I slow more. you down? I just want to walk through it. What if you're a baker, and you don't want to bake a cake for a a certain type of wedding ceremony? Are they protected? Yeah, well, th- this doesn't deal... That typically arises under state and local law, not federal law. So the cake baker... Uh, example probably doesn't get directly implicated by this here because I'm not aware of any federal Well, they just federalized it. Yeah, to the extent that they apply that to a federal law, then um, the cake baker, the, the either if it's a nonprofit or if it's a small business, and the small business person uh, doesn't want to do that, then yeah, they, potentially they could be in violation of one or more federal laws if that's implicated. Um, it's more likely to come up in the nonprofit context, but in theory, it could come up with some small business examples. And so as a result of all this, they're saying that the religious freedom protection they offered was adequate, but it's really not because they, you know, they provided some protection for churches, synagogues, and mosques themselves. And then they had this other section, section 7A of the bill, says that nothing in this act shall be construed uh, uh to uh, uh, to deny or alter or revoke any status. Uh, but that was never the problem, Mark. It, our argument was never that the bill revoked it. It was that it would leave intact an existing problem exacerbated by this bill. They left that mm-hmm. problem there, and this is tragic. 
Michael Lee, I want to thank you for fighting for the Constitution and uh, edifying us on this. We really appreciate it. And God bless you, my friend. And thank goodness you were reelected. We'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Guess what we're going to do? Let's go to David, Los Angeles, California, where we are live and national. Get right ahead. Yes, Mark. Great to talk to you. I'm very disappointed in Mitch McConnell suddenly caring so much about anti-Semitism and his Mm. statement that, gee, there's no room for anti-Semitism or people that talk to anti-Semites. So it's like as if Trump appointed Kanye and his racist friends to some commission. He didn't do anything Mm. but meet with them. The problem with Americans, they're too soft and think too much about emotional things. How about the way Trump handled China? How about the way he handled North Korea, Russia, bringing the... How about the way, on the subject you raised, he embraced the Jewish state like no president before him? Nobody... How about the fact, as far as I know, he's the only president to have a Jewish daughter and son-in-law and Jewish grandchildren? I mean, it's so ridiculous what they're trying to pin on him. I just feel like he kind of shot himself in the foot by doing this, and he needs people around him who are going to help him stop people like this from coming into Mar-a-Lago or wherever. And I think those people let him down. But that said, he's made it clear, abundantly clear, he had no idea who Fuentes was. He said if he had said the things that he has said in the past to him, he would have obviously done something about it. As far as Kanye West is concerned, as bad as that guy is, he's known for all these years, as have many people. And he said he was troubled and he was looking for a meeting and he wanted to give him advice. I wouldn't have done it. Bad idea. You see the consequences of it. He is he's really in the spotlight no matter what. And then there is the issue of real anti-Semitism out there and it's growing. It's growing in various ethnic communities. It's growing as a result of open border immigration from certain parts of the world. 
Uh, and it's growing because of the Marxist <clears throat> mindset, which has always been a Jew-hating mindset. But you'll find this even with evangelical Christians, how they're put upon. And other people of faith. But anyway, thank you for your call, my friend. Laudell, Richardson, Texas, the great WBAP. How are you, my friend? Emil, how you doing, Victor? I'm doing all right, brother. I'm doing great. Thank you, sir. Good to hear your voice, brother. Uh, let's you get too. down to business, though. Um, uh, uh, I call him the turtle. You call him Marble Mouth. His name is Miss McConnell. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get on here and bash the man because you do a good job at it. Uh, <laughs> my question to you is how can we, number one, uh, get this man out of leadership now, and number two, vote his uh, turtle look behind out? We can't get him out. And he knows that because his colleagues voted for him. Now, 10 of them had the good sense not to vote for him. One of them voted present. We don't know who voted how. We can surmise. I'd sure like to know how some of these people have voted. They asked for our vote, and they promised not to support McConnell. And now I want to know if they did or they didn't. Because to me, that's a red line at this point. McConnell's already negotiating with Schumer to sell us out on spending and the debt. Already. He'll get the full backing of the establishment and Wall Street and, uh, and some of the long and tooth phony pseudo-conservatives. Uh, but if we don't fight the spending, then what is the purpose of having these Republicans? Seriously, Lord, I don't know. You know, we lost the Senate. Now, there were a lot of candidates who they dump on. Those are the candidates I like, many of them, who would have fought like hell. It's not enough to have a majority. You need a majority of statesmen. You need a majority of people who are going to do something. And apparently this majority of Republicans in the Senate or minority is not. I have more hope for the so, House. Yeah, I, I would tell my last question, Mel, is this here is, now you made a point. You said we, we can't get him out. Is there anyone that's man enough to run against this man at the end of his term? Oh, in, uh, in Kentucky. Well, yes. I think I'll be 112, but that doesn't seem to stop them, does it? Uh, <laughs> but if he chooses to run again, we're going to have to become active in that campaign to defeat him, because that is the only way to do it. But he's got a stranglehold on the politics in Kentucky the way he does with his colleagues in the Senate. And, and really, why? Is he smart? No, right, not really. Is he substantive? No, not really. Has he accomplished great things? Oh, look at the courts. Well, there's more than that. And not really. Uh, what has he done? And look at the budgets that are bloated. Look at the debts are bloated. Look at immigration. All the guy's been there 15 damn years as the leader of the Republicans. Bob Dole was more effective, much more effective than he is. All right, Laudell, you take care of yourself, buddy. Good man. Appreciate you. Luis, Little Rock, Arkansas, the great K-A-R-N. How are you, Luis? Thank you. I'm fine, sir. Thank you. You got it. Uh, Mark, uh, the Democrat politicians need to uh, impeach Biden and Kamala to save themselves. They lost the Congress, and if they don't go in, in another direction, they will lose the Senate and the presidency next time. They're never going to do that. And plus, they're going to wind up in the minority in the House, so they won't be able to do that. 
um, and they don't care. They look at election losses as temporary setbacks because they own the bureaucracy, the permanent government, and they view these as temporary setbacks. And so they use the time they have in office effectively. Joe Biden's been there soon to be two years. Look at the enormous damage he's done to our system, to our economy, uh, to our energy, to the whole damn thing, to our border, to immigration. I don't even know if we'll be able to fix it in less than two years. Look how the Republicans act. Look at McConnell. We want to meet on the 40-yard line. We want bipartisanship. Uh, We're working on a spending deal with Schumer. He's working on a spending deal with Schumer that the vast majority of the Republican senators aren't even in on. And they vote for him because he gives them cover. He gives them money when they run for re-election. He's got the entire establishment media, and some of it Republican media, in and around Washington, D.C., as well as the think tanks out there spewing their support for McConnell, who is about as ineffective as they can get. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, politics politics is a cutthroat uh, kind yeah. of uh, establishment. And I think that if the Democrat politicians get to realizing that um, that this is affecting them very hot, very badly, that they might go along with the Republicans if the Republicans uh, do some uh, some push. I never, think that the, never. The, the they hate Republicans more than they hate the communist Chinese, the communist North Koreans, the fascistic Putin, the Islamo-Nazi Iranian regime. They hate the Republicans more than anything else because they want those slots. They want complete control of the government. They are power hungry. And they have plans for you and me and the entire country. They hate the country. They never say anything good about the country. They're always busy legislating against the country, against the private sector, against liberty, against individualism. And they're never satisfied. So that's where their mindset is. Luis, thank you for your call, my friend. I shall return. Mark Lovin. Mr. Producer, I'm going to send you, I'm doing this on air, that's okay, a picture of Patton, a nine-month-old puppy. He was Lauren's family dog, Lauren and Nick, my daughter and my son-in-law, and the grandkids. He was hit by a car several weeks ago and got an infection as a result of it and died from it. We've had a lot of uh, sadness around here. Do you mind putting him up at the section of the page? How will anyone trust the Georgia runoff results when there's enough illegal voting to tip the scales? S. Margo Cleveland at the Federalist. When the final tally comes in for the Georgia runoff, the country should expect the candidate behind in the count to take to the courts. Initial data from the November 2022 general election indicates that more than 25,000 Georgians may have voted illegally in the general election. You know, you're not supposed to talk about this. Only Democrats can talk about imagined fraud. But I'll, I'll continue. And the problem appears 
poised to repeat itself when voters cast their ballots in state's runoff election for Senator on December 6th. Absent a win by a substantial margin by either Republican challenger Walker or Democrat Warnock, litigation with the potential ordering of a new election seems likely, she says. A scenario that would have proved, uh, proved a disastrous to the country had control of the Senate remained in play. A complaint filed earlier this month with the Georgia State Board of Elections. Mark Davis, an expert in voter data analytics and residency issues, alerted the state to data indicating that in both November 2020 and November 2022, thousands of Georgians may have voted illegally by moving, but then, rather than re-registering to vote as required by the state's election code, casting ballots in the county in which they no longer resided. Now, this is a problem nationwide, by the way. Davis's complaint noted that due to space constraints, he was providing his support data in a detailed letter to State Board of Elections member Ed Lindsay. That letter, obtained exclusively by the Federalists, highlighted the relevant portions of the Georgia Election Code, which provides that no person shall vote in a primary election held in this state unless such person shall be a resident of the state, of the county or municipality in which he or she seeks to vote. Makes sense. The election code further provides that if the voter changes his residence from one Georgia county to another, more than 30 days before the election, the person has lost his eligibility to vote in the county of his or her old residence. So the individual must register to vote in his or her new county or residence, and if the individual fails to register to vote for the dead by the deadline, they can't vote in that election. And Davis then detailed uh, data he had gathered related to the November 2022 election. Data obtained from the National Change of Address database showed 637,000 Georgians provided notice of permanent changes of address. About 168,000 of the 637,000 change of address notices were for voters who moved from one Georgia county to another more than 30 days before the election, but failed to re-register there. And over 25,000 of them appear to have voted in the 2022 general election in their old counties, which violates state law. Not all the 25,000 plus who moved and then voted in their old county necessarily voted illegally. But he explained some of those individuals may be students away at school or soldiers serving a tour of duty or other people had reason to file permanent change of address for what is really a long-term temporary move. Yet data collected by Davis from November 2020 general election indicates at least 35% of the approximately 35,000 people who moved from one Georgia county to another county in the state and voted in the prior county had in fact moved permanently. So you don't consider that fraud, but it is a huge problem. Georgia, where there was a very, very close election in 2020, Arizona still having issues. And, of course, the media won't actually dig into what the issues are. They just blow them off, of course. All right, we salute all you heroes out there, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow, folks. God bless.